a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Keith Neighbor with Auburn Undercover and 24 7 Sports. And this is the Auburn Undercover podcast. We've got a lot to talk about tonight because on Monday, Auburn begins preseason football camp. And, and obviously, guys, everybody's been waiting for this day to come. Uh, we didn't know that it was going to come at all at times. And we still don't know for certain whether there's going to be a season, but it is a, a day to mark, no question about it. Uh, everything this country has been through, everything the Auburn football program has been through, everything that the three of us have been through over the last several months to get to this point is exciting. And I just wanted to, before we get started, to get too heavy into the details of, of camp and Auburn football, just each of your thoughts on getting to this point, finally, football is here. Philip. Well, it's been strange, obviously. I mean, it's been the strangest ever. <laughs> but uh, uh, I didn't know if we were going to get to this point or not. I, I still don't know. I still don't know if we're going to get to the start line or not. But uh, uh, it's exciting to finally be here, though. It's going to be, you know, I can remember when two a days were really about like four days. And uh, uh, and Auburn had, was on the quarter system. And school didn't start till the third week of September. So it was hard to be an Auburn football player in, in preseason camp. Because <laughs> there were no there were very few rules limiting what you could do. And uh it was brutal. Now you didn't have to walk through the snow five miles to get to practice, did you? Uh well not quite five miles, <laughs> three or four miles. Okay. No. Right. Jay, no. I'm just teasing you. But, it, but it, hard it's, time. it's really good. It's really good. I think that that's the players are excited. That's obvious. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be fascinating to watch if they get to play. I mean, camp's going to be fascinating to watch because it's going to be different or, or fascinating to, uh, hear about because it's, it's going to be different than it's ever been. And the, the season will really be fascinating if it gets here. Jason, your thoughts. Uh, I think you look at it and it's the biggest thing to me is, is like I said, the unknown, but I think it's just the excitement of actually having something to talk about. That's, you know, real. Uh, we've talked <laughs> about, you know, what could happen, what, what may happen, all those things. I mean, they're going to practice. Um, hopefully they'll get on the field and, and, and be able to, to work out, do all those things, but it's actually some football talk. And I think, you know, we've done a pretty good job of, of trying to, to talk as much football as possible and, I think that's something that people have been just really jonesing for because there hasn't been any. We haven't had, you know, the last time Auburn put on pads, January 1st. That's it. Yeah. Last time, any, any mess. it's hard to think about it being that long, but that's what it is. And so I think just the excitement of actually having something to talk about, we won't get to see uh, much of it. Even if there's a season, I don't know how much of it we'll get to see. But uh, right now, uh, you know, just if they just play football, then then we'll make do with whatever we need to do to uh, to give the best coverage possible. But Hey, uh, just uh, hopefully uh, they'll be able to get to move forward. Hey, before we move on, I just wanted to ask you guys, and, and you don't both have to answer it if you don't want to, but each of you have been covering Auburn for an extended period of time, and I've covered college football for three decades too. Just uh, if you could, uh, maybe Philip, 
explain to readers the challenges. And, and granted, look, they, they don't really necessarily care about our challenges. They just want the info. Yeah. But as a reporter, what is the challenge these days to get information as opposed to maybe 30 years ago? Oh, I don't have to go back 30 years, to be honest with you, Keith. But uh, the challenge is, is paranoia. Uh, coaches don't uh, coaches don't want you talk. They 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 are, are are sitting on pins and needles all the time. They don't want you talking to their players. They don't want you talking to the assistant coaches, which is the one thing I I, I have the hardest time understanding. The guy that's an assistant college football coach ought to ought, ought to be able to be trusted to not say something outlandish. But uh, so just getting information is much harder. It's not as much fun because you you, you don't get. It's, you can't establish the kind of relationships you used to, used to could establish. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I have really good relationships with, with a good many Auburn players, even some from just recent years. But uh, that's going to be very difficult for that to happen now, now because we don't have enough, nearly the opportunity to get to know them that we once did. And, uh, but just from that standpoint, just getting information is the hardest thing because they want to control their own message. And, and that's what they're trying to do at Auburn and Alabama and Georgia and Florida, and you name it. And uh, makes it harder, but that's okay. Uh, just have to work a little harder. All right, let's talk about the stuff on the field. And, you know, obviously Auburn's coming off a nine and four season, some highs, some lows, some uh, incredible wins, some disappointing losses, but a solid season, some solid players returning, but also some really good players that have departed for the NFL. So going into this season, and we'll start with you, Jason, uh, who is one offensive player that you think absolutely has to make a jump up this year? They have, it's time to take that next step. Uh, or it could be somebody that's already been solid but now needs to become a superstar. Jason, who, who stands out for you in that category? And then yeah. I'll throw it over to you. I think you, you would think it, you would jump to the Auburn offensive line. But for me, I, I look at Anthony Swartz, and I don't know that it's necessarily all his fault, but, you know, he's a little banged up to start the year last year. He's, he's the, if not the fastest, one of the fastest players in college football. And you can't look at him at, at the end of this season if, if they're able to play and, and, and see him averaging 10 yards of reception and, and feel like that's what he's designed to do in this offense. To me, he's a game-breaker. And I think about guys that can stretch the field and guys that are home run hitters. You've got to do that now in, in any level of college football, in any level of football, but especially in college football with as, as many advantages as the offense has, he has to be able to, to make big plays down the field. And you know, with Seth Williams, with Bo Nix being there, to me, that's the thing that could take, change the dynamic of this offense completely. So I'm looking at Anthony Schwartz as a guy that I think, with the help of Chad Morris, needs to take that big step. Well, I'm going. I am going to go to the offensive line, and, and I'm going to say Nick Brahms. And uh, the center is so important in so many ways. And he made a pretty good step. He made a pretty good took some pretty good steps forward toward the end of last year. But with a with an offensive line with well, it's not really all that young. It doesn't have a lot of guys that have played, and certainly not a lot of guys that have started. And I think that makes that position very important. And, uh, and I think he needs to be consistent and steady and have a good year uh, for the offensive line to have an opportunity to grow, which is that's, that's another discussion all in itself about new offensive line, new, new offensive line coach, no spring practice, uh, different, kind of, different kind of preseason practice, 
that's going to be a challenge. All right, let's stick with you, Philip. Same question, but for defense. And you know, obviously they lost a lot of good players on defense. It's starting up front with Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson. So for you, if there's one guy, you, don't, you guys don't have to limit this to one guy. I'm saying one guy, but if, if you want to say two, go for it. But who would it be for you, Philip? that really needs well, to step up. I would up? say uh, uh, Big Cat Bryant would be one. And uh, uh, Daquan would be another one, the defensive tackle, uh, who would play Derek Brown's position. And he certainly has a uh, he certainly has the talent to be a big time player. And uh, those two guys, I mean, I think Big Camp Bryant, of course, was a tremendously highly recruited guy and uh, has great physical skills. And this is his money year, so to speak. He needs to have he needs to have a good year. He needs to get the attention of the NFL. And uh, uh, so Newkirk is the word I couldn't get out of my mouth yes, a minute ago. Yeah. Come on, Newkirk. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, I think those two guys, and it's not you. You're not going to – there's not a Derrick Brown there, okay? I mean, there just isn't one. And you, yeah, you don't get those very often. I don't care where you are. You don't get many Derrick Der- Browns. That doesn't mean you can't have guys that can be efficient and successful and, and even be uh, all SEC kind of players. And they need – they need guys to play at that level. I'm not saying it doesn't matter whether sports writers or whoever vote for you for all SEC or not, but you need to play at that level and uh, for for their defensive line. And that that's you know, games for all the all the innovation and all the spread out stuff and everything else. Games are still won and lost on the line of scrimmage, and that's that's why uh, I think when I said Nick Bobs, and I'll say those two guys because I think that's. Uh, for Auburn to have a chance to have a big year, uh, that's what uh, they're going to have to be good on both lines of scrimmage, and that's where question that's where question marks are. I don't think talent's a big issue either side, but but hadn't got a lot of guys that have played a lot of crucial minutes. Yeah, Jason, same question to you, defensive guy that's got to got to step it up, man. Got to take that next jump. Yeah, I agree with Philip. I think it starts on the, that defensive line, and whether it's Big Cat Bryant, TD Moultrie. Uh, Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, one of the newcomers. They need somebody to step up as a pass rusher. To me, that's the thing you look at on a defense and go, you got to have a pass rush. And and your secondary can be all world. But if you can't get to the quarterback, you know, we've seen Alabama have a bunch of guys drafted in the secondary the last few years. But when they play really good offenses, they've been been lit up pretty good because they couldn't get to the quarterback. That's what you got to find. And so they got to find somebody to get to the quarterback and have that Jeff Holland type of year that – that you put the fear in an offensive tackle. And so I think you look at those guys and then the other corner opposite Roger McCreary, whether it's Nehemiah Pritchett, whether it's Marco yeah. Domeo, um, whether it's Devin Barrett, somebody, they've got to find somebody else because that position is going to get picked on a ton. Roger McCreary showed last year he's pretty good. So teams are going to – they're going to make somebody else uh, have to step up and defend that other side. So I think that other corner opposite Roger McCreary is going to be huge. Yeah, McCreary might have earned himself a little bit of a breather by playing pretty well last year. He won't, he won't get picked on probably as much this season. Uh, guys, uh, notable position battles, and there's going to be a lot of them. Philip, you mentioned the offensive line just a couple minutes ago. Left tackle, right tackle, uh, that's certainly – those are certainly two interesting position battles, would you say? Yeah, I would. And, and you know, running back too. I, I just yeah. going to be interested yeah. to see who I, – I think that running back's a little different because – I'm not sure it's, you know, it, it, it's not a matter of whether you have somebody good enough. I think they've got several guys good enough, and it's just going to be fun to see who, who kind of emerges, which if it, 
goes like it has in the past, we'll probably find out about the fourth game. But uh, uh, but I think as far as important position races, I think obviously uh, the two tackle positions. Uh, though I do think if he's healthy, Austin Troxel will have will have a leg up, and uh, and the other cornerback like like Jason was just mentioned mentioning that that's that's a big one because. And, and again, I think they feel pretty good about some of those guys, but they haven't been out there much. And uh, you have to, uh, you know, no matter what you're doing, if you got a cornerback that's 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 shaky, you got you got to have problems because they're not going to be nice to him if they don't. If he can't, they're not going to they're not going to decide to quit bothering him so much and throw somewhere else. They're going to stay. They're going to go after him all day, whoever it is. So. I think that's a big one too. Okay, Jason, let's go back to running back for a second because, you know, obviously Booby Whitlow's gone and he was the leading rusher last year. DJ Williams, we saw a little bit of what he can do. Mark Anthony Richards, who was in the same recruiting class as DJ Williams, the 2019 class, uh, took a medical red shirt. And now you have uh, a talented, talented running back coming in this year, Tank Bigsby. And you got some other guys too, Harold Joyner, Sean Shivers. But most people seem to think it's going to come down to DJ Williams, Mark Anthony Richards, or Tank Bigsby. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm just – we're basing that on just our own opinions, but Mark Anthony Richards and tank Bigsby for the people that aren't aware of their abilities, Jason, you you've seen tank play in high school and you've also evaluated Mark Anthony Richards film. What kind of skills do they have that they could push a DJ Williams and those other guys for that starting job? Yeah, I think what you're looking for is you're looking for all, all around back. I think you're, you're, if you're Chad Marsh, you're looking for somebody that can do everything because that's what you're looking for in this offense. You're looking for somebody that can run the ball, can catch it. One of the biggest things is going to be pass protection. That, that may be where early on DJ Williams has an advantage, having played last year, having been through it. He may have a little bit of an advantage in that, in that category. But, you know, hey, their, their, their position coach, Cadillac Williams, was as fierce a, a pass protector as anybody I can remember at Auburn. So he's going to demand that out of those guys. But Mark Anthony Richards, kind of a carry-on Johnson type of guy. I think a guy that can do all those different things. To me, Tank Bigsby is a lineup home run hitter that Auburn hasn't had at the running back position in a long time. Really athletic, powerful, can fly. He, he can do all those things you're looking for. Um, the question is going to be for him the little things, pass protection, holding on to the football, something he had an issue with as a senior in high school. So, you know, ball protection, ball security, all those things are going to be really important. So you got some different types of backs. That's the thing about this running back group. You got 6'4", 230, Harold Joyner. You got 5'7", you know, 190, Sean Shivers, everything in between. And uh, I think for Chad Marsh, you got to figure out who can do the most things without having to come off the field. I think that's going to be really important. Now, we'll, we'll dig more into Chad Morrison a little bit. But, you know, Philip and I were talking last night about how sometimes some of the teams in the 1980s threw to the running backs a lot because you had to. I mean, quarterbacks were getting pressured like, like every play. There was no time to get rid of the ball. You had to have outlets everywhere. Uh, but, Jason, some other position battles that intrigue you that you're really going to be following closely, the same ones Philip, Philip mentioned, do you have some other ones that you're looking forward to seeing? Anything stick out to you? I think because on defense they've rotated so many guys and they will rotate so many guys that it's hard to really jump into a position battle there because I think you expect, like I said, Connus Miller – Daquan Newkirk, DeAndre Butler, you expect all those guys to play at some point. I have to go to the offensive line. I, I have to. And to me, you, you, know, you talk about left tackle. I, I think I look at right tackle because can Brendan Coffey, is he big enough, is he physical enough to take over? And if he does, it might allow you to slide Brodarius Ham inside. Well, I think what we, 
we figure out right now is it would be a surprise if Rodarius Ham isn't one of the five guys on this offensive line. Yeah. Oh, I agree just a matter that. of where, just a matter of where he lines up. And so, you know, if a guy like Brendan Coffey could step up, take over right tackle, you can move Rodarius inside. It might make you a stronger offensive line. So I think that right tackle spot, just because it might allow you to get your your what you might consider your best five guys on the field, and hey, that's always uh, something that you deal with any season for an offensive line coach. But with this year, the possibility of guys being quarantined, all those things, having guys that can play multiple positions is massive. And so bringing the grad transfer, they can play multiple positions, Brodarius Sam, Austin Troxel. The more of those guys, the merrier this year because you may have to – you have to move, you know, and change offensive lines a whole bunch before you get done this year. Man, I'll tell you, if I could just interject just a couple thoughts here. The two guys that I'm really – watching it and pulling for it, admittedly pulling for it because I've covered them since they were 16 years old. Austin Troxel, a couple ACL surgeries in high school, another one at Auburn. I remember sitting out in the, the front of the athletic complex a couple years ago and his parents were there for, I think, a spring practice. And this Austin was healthy at this time. And I remember Gus Malzahn walking over to them and the excited look on his face to be able to tell them that Austin was looking great happy to be out there, and then he ended up getting hurt, you know, not too long after that. But uh, obviously, they, I've always thought he had a lot of potential. And then, of course, Bradarius Ham, just, you know, one, uh, so many heartbreaks for him and his family. I mean, he diagnosed with cancer in high school, and then this offseason, the loss of a child, just a guy that just, I mean, I mean, I mean you, you pull for him. You pull for everybody. You don't want anybody to fail. But there's some guys you pull for a little harder than others, and I, I'd put him at the top of my list. Now, guys, uh, We've done the position, notable position battles. And now let's talk about some question marks. I mean, you know, they got a lot of them, but so does every team. You know, Philip and I talk about this sometimes, but every team's got these question marks. That's just the way it goes. Sometimes the new guy steps in and is better than the old guy. Uh, but who are the real question marks on each side of the ball for each of you? And we'll start with you, Philip. I mean, absolute well, question mark. The offensive line, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, junior college offensive linemen, are a real real challenge uh and and junior college offensive linemen without any spring practice are a bigger challenge uh so i think the offensive line clearly clearly and that gets kind of back to what we've already talked about they have got to be, they don't have to be great but they have to be good and if they're not good bo nicks won't be good either and neither will neither will any of those running backs <laughs> and so uh uh that's obvious on offense on defense, it's that cornerback and uh, and and a pat and a pass rush. Uh, you know, that's you don't have the, the two guys they lost up front were huge, and uh, even though neither one of them was a really dynamic. Well, I guess you'd have to say that Marlon was a pretty dynamic pass rusher, but but uh, you know, uh, Derek wasn't a pass rusher particularly, uh, and uh, they need that and. Uh, uh, and they just need to be able to stop the run. We need to find out who's going to take uh, who's going to take uh, Chandler Wooten's spot uh, at linebacker. Uh, I know Travis feels really good about the the, the three guys who played a lot last year. Uh, at two that started is Kobe McLean and uh, KJ. And uh, but uh, I would say. The, the, the fourth linebacker, uh, inside linebacker, cornerback on defense and a pass rusher and clearly offensive line on, on offense. And, you know, and I'm not saying this is a question mark, but had 
we don't know. Has Bo Nix taken the step from being good to being dominant? And uh, I look, I think he took a lot of undeserved criticism last year. I thought he had a, a heck of a year for a true freshman. Really, the best year of any true freshman quarterback ever to play at Auburn since since Travis Tidwell, who had already been to World War II and come back and been a freshman. But uh, uh, but I, I mean, is he going to become that guy that makes everybody around him better? That always is the guy you look to in a time of trouble and you know he's going to he's going to execute and that that's another question and the offensive line mixes in with that too because if he's running for his life all the time then that's a whole different matter yeah jason same for you question marks on offense and defense the things that really stick out to you i think kind of tying into philip's question you know i think obviously we're, we're going to talk about this anyway but i think you know that, that ties you know the Bo next question ties into to chad morris um yep. will we see that the offense turned loose because I think that's what Bo Nix needs to take that next step. I think, you know, we saw last year he threw the ball on first down when they when when Auburn kind of took the initiative and was aggressive. Eleven touchdowns and one interception, first down passing last year. Um, that's that's strong. That's good for anybody anywhere. And he was really good in fourth quarters when they trailed when they were aggressive again because they went two minutes. Will we see them do more of that as a every down offense? That's what Chad Marsh has done in the past. To me, I think that's what this team is built for. Um, quick passing game, RPO game, which would help take some of that pressure off the offensive line. So to me, that's one of the big question marks. And, you know, we've talked about offensive line, all those things. I look at defense and I think can Christian Tut take a step forward? The nickel position, as much as corners, pass rush, the nickel position right now is, is maybe as vital as any position on the defense right now. Christian Tutt, Zion Puckett, Ladarius Tennyson coming in as a true freshman. Whatever they do there, I think that position has to get much improved for Auburn. We saw Minnesota. We saw Alabama. We saw other teams take advantage of the middle of the field against Auburn. Um, they got to get better in that spot. Obviously, pass rush will help, but you know they got to take some steps forward in that spot as well. My question, Mark, is one that I can't believe this. You guys haven't brought this up. The punter position. Can Aussie punter Oscar Chapman make people forget about uh, Aaron Sipos, who left after two seasons early to play pro football? Of course, he's got to win the job first. He's got to win the job. Uh, I believe Aiden Marshall, former walk-on, is back on the squad, uh, according to some reports. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, Aaron Sipos, for all that he did for that program the last two years, really kind of left Auburn in a bad spot. Uh, with that timing, that was very unexpected. And uh, they were in a little bit of a bind. And I, I know that behind the scenes, they were thrilled to land this young man out of Australia. He's with Pro Kick Australia, Oscar Chapman again, another former professional Australian rules footballer. Never made it to the high league, but was a semi-pro player. Uh, but uh, uh, I can tell you that a school in the Big Ten did actually send guys. They sent a coach to Australia to scout all these guys. And the word was this guy that Auburn got, Oscar Chapman, was far and away the best guy down there. So to me, question mark, because he hasn't played American football. Uh, and I'm curious to see how that turns out. Now, the biggest certainties on each side of the ball. What, is, what are the givens out there? Who are the guys that you have very little concern about, Philip? Oh, well, offense, Seth Williams would be one. Uh, uh, and, but, and, you know, it's, Bo Nix is, is going to play. He's going to play hard and he's going to play and he's smart and He's going to be a good player. He's going to be a great player. We've already said that. I think I think they're in really good shape at running back. I, you know, if uh, yeah. uh, if Joiner can't get on the field, 
and you must be pretty good because he's he's an impressive dude to me. And uh, on defense, I think the uh, the linebackers obviously are uh, are 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 the ones that that you you feel like are going to be uh, reliable the most because they've been there and done that. And KJ Britt's a great football player. Uh, probably needs to get a little better on pass pass defense down the field, but but linebacker to me is a is the heart of the defense and and who they'll count on to kind of lead the way over there. Jason, your thoughts? Phil took about the only three for sure. Certainly, <laughs> they're all on this team. That, that, that's that's where we are. I mean, you know, you look at it. I, I think Anders Carlson is a certainty. I think you know, you look at him in the kicking game. I think that's where Auburn has is in very good shape. Um, and so I think that's a strength. Uh, you know, he finished up really strong at the end of the year last year. You know, I think we'll see him take a step forward. That's a big deal when you're, when you're talking about, you know, your, your offense, defense, and, and the way the game's played now. So I think y'all look at that one. But your linebacker, I think, is, 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 you know, one of the strengths of this team. I think wide receiver is another strength. I think talent at wide receiver is a certainty. Now how yeah. those guys step up and play behind, you know, that first three. I think you look at Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz. Eli Stove is a guy that – had his best year last year as a true receiver. I think, you know, both those guys can probably do more in the passing game down the field. But which one of those next guys steps up? I think there's talent there. Shedrick Jackson, Javaris Johnson, that redshirted last year, and then a whole slew of, of true freshmen that are going to jump into the mix. So I think there's a certainty of talent at wide receiver. And we've seen that when you throw the ball more, those guys get better and better. So I think the wide receiver group is going to end up being a team strength force over with. All right, we've sort of touched on this. They got a new offensive coordinator, obviously, Chad Morris. Uh, and, and, you know, we, it's for what we understand, it's, it's his offense. Gus has given him the keys. It's the one guy he trusts. I mean, Jason, Gus and I just uh, – Gus and I – you and I just spent time with Gus. He was adamant about that, emphatic that, that he had turned it over. And he's told everybody that. And, you know, Phillips talked to him too. And it's, uh, you know – that's where they're at. But, but what is the offense going to look like? What, what changes are we going to see if it's truly that Chad Morris offense? Throwing the ball to tight end. Yeah. Is one thing. He likes to do that. And, uh, uh, and of course, that will solve all ills. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> That'll solve everything. Uh, you know, I would think you're going to see – a, a little more sophisticated, a little more wide open passing game, a little more willingness to do like Jason talked about and air it out on first down. Uh, you know, the question is that I don't have any doubt, and I've told people, everybody I've talked to about this is that Gus intends to to stay out of it. And uh, but I think he's intended to stay out of it before. I mean, will he be able to stay out of it the first time they hit a rough spot? That's my question, and I don't know the answer. I don't think anybody does. And, uh, and I also wonder, is he also going to, to? I mean, no matter what he's done, he's always, ever since he's been at Auburn, he's done the substituting on offense, which is an, which is an unusual thing, and uh, which has frustrated some position coaches who aren't here anymore. And uh, uh, is he going to let go of that too? Because to me, that's, a, that's an issue – if you got the head coach deciding who's on the field and somebody else deciding who's who's uh, uh, what player you're calling, Jason. Uh, to me, I, I look at it and kind of along those same lines, the ability to run plays without substituting, and I think that's what Chad Marsh has yeah. done wherever he's been at SMU. It was a strength. We saw it last year for LSU. 
that LSU offense was, was, was really, really good. A lot of the reason it was really good is because they took advantage of every opportunity by keeping the same, you know, personnel groupings on the field, motioning the back out of the backfield, getting – they did all those things and, and basically forcing the defense to adjust. That's what Gus Malzahn did in his early years. It hasn't happened in, in the last five or six years other than a few instances where they get in a two-minute drill. To me, that's the number one thing I'm looking for. Can, can we watch Auburn run an offensive set and run five or six plays in a row without substituting? Because that hasn't happened. Normally it's been one play. No matter what happens, it's wide receivers running in, a new play, and that specialization tips off defenses. And to me, it's been an issue. And uh, if they can solve that, then to me, everything else will kind of fall into place because then you allow your talent to take over. Yeah, I really you know, Keith, think the thing I have uh, that has puzzled me and I look back to 2018, and uh, uh, Auburn, Auburn was behind 10 to nothing to LSU. And then they turned up the speed, and they went right down the field three straight times, scored 21 unanswered points in the, at the end of the second quarter and the start of the third quarter, and then they stopped doing it. Uh, the same year against Texas A&M, when they had no choice and just put it in Jarrett Sidham's hands against Texas A&M, he took them to two touchdowns and won the game. And I thought, sure, we would see the same thing against Georgia next, the next week, and we never did. And that's, that has been a puzzle to me. Well, ever since they changed the rule where you, where you, uh, you had to let the defense substitute uh, if you substituted. And, uh, and I think I, I, I'm no expert, but I think Gus has had some issues as far as adjusting to that. All right, before we go here, we're, we are running a little bit out on time. The recording time gives you a certain limit here, which is actually great for the listener. They don't have to listen yeah. to three blowhards for three hours. But uh, the SEC, Philip, you wrote Sunday afternoon, is going to release the actual schedules on Monday. That's the plan anyway. I just wanted right. to get each of your quick thoughts on Auburn adding South Carolina and Tennessee and, and what you make of this 10-game conference-only schedule that all these SEC teams are going to play. I'll tell you what, it means five and five all of a sudden. Uh, is very much in play for a lot of people, or worse. It's brutal. Ten SEC games is brutal. Uh, ten games uh, when you are already playing the SEC West is brutal. And I agree with you. It's, it's going to be a lot of people right around five, right around five hundred. Uh, and there's going to be teams that play shorthanded because of, of people testing positive or or just get caught up in contact tracing. Uh, it's gonna be, uh, it's, it's gonna be really tough. And I don't, I don't know of anybody that's ever played a 10 game SEC schedule. I don't believe it's ever happened before. And a 10 game SEC schedule with one off week, pretty rough. <laughs> and uh, uh, who can stay healthiest? Who, who can stay the healthiest? And just who, and, and it's as I wrote about this today. You don't know because it's all unprecedented. Who can who can deal the best with this totally different kind of preseason camp? Who can deal the best with uh, with with not having had spring practice and and with losing players and, and all those things? And you don't know because it's never happened. It's going to be fascinating, assuming they play. Jason. Yeah, I, I look at it and I go, man, I, to me, there's never been a better situation for Texas A&M heading to a season since they've been in the SEC. That's even including with Johnny Manziel because of everything. 
thing that's happened. And you have a three-year starter returning at quarterback, tons of starters on back on both sides of the ball. If there's anybody that's able to withstand not having spring and, and this shakeup, it would be Texas A&M. So to me, I look at them, fairly favorable schedule. They do add Florida, but, but they get them at home. Um, I, I think you look at Texas A&M going, man, if you're going to challenge, you know, Auburn, Alabama, LSU in the West, that this better be the year for them. And then the, the unknowns for so many teams. you got new coaches. Um, Georgia has two new quarterbacks, a new offensive system, a new offensive coordinator, lots of different faces on the offensive line, and they got a lot of talent. But imagine it's hard enough to, to compress this whole schedule and not have spring practice. Now do it with a quarterback battle. Um, that's going to be a, a something to watch for Georgia because that's going to be limited. You're, you're splitting those reps to that number one offense for two guys. So uh, I think that could be an issue. And so – uh, I, I just look at that, but I think overall it's it's just going to be a, a big-time challenge. And I think Auburn has done the right thing in going into this, going, look, prepare everybody we got to play in some capacity. I think you may have to have 75 or 80 guys at some point this year. You may have to go down to a true freshman on the offensive line. Who knows? But you better have those guys ready to play. And I think Auburn, something unique for them is having a guy like Kalen Newton you got a guy that's at wide receiver for you that has started two years. Yes, it was Howard, but that guy started for two years at quarterback in college football. If you had to get to a third or fourth quarterback, you've got somebody that has done it um, and is athletic and can do something. That may be a pretty big advantage for Auburn and that some, you know, a lot of teams won't have that option. A lot of teams are going to have to just throw – you've got somebody that has played quarterback. I think that could be important on a year, in a year like this. Another thing, uh, Keith, last thing I'll say is it's a complete unknown is does it even matter where you're playing? I mean, uh, there's not, there's very unlikely to be many fans there. And that's a good thing for like Georgia or anybody that's got a new quarterback because they're not going to have to deal with what new quarterbacks usually have to deal with in this league, which is going on the road like Bo Nix at Florida last year and having to play without any ability to hear. That's not going to happen this year. All right, good stuff, guys. So we're going to do this again probably in a few days after there's some intel coming out of practices, after the SEC schedule comes out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of complaints across the Southeast once that's finalized. And uh, But we do appreciate you guys stopping by, taking the time to break down the Auburn football team. For Philip Marshall and Jason Caldwell of 24-7 Sports and Auburn Undercover, this is Keith Niebuhr with the Auburn Undercover Podcast. We'll do it again soon. Take care, everybody. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.